We are today laying hands on, not throat, hands, praying over, commissioning, ordaining two young men uh, for the ministry. They've been a part of our staff. You, you get to meet them and all of that. Uh, but it's done in relation to when Paul talks to Timothy about the time that we laid hands. We commissioned you to ministry. And so they've been around. We've seen their character. We've seen their calling, their zeal for the Lord. And Thursday night was kind of okay. Let's make sure that they test out theologically. So we had a really wonderful time. A number of you came. It was a great time. And today we're going to do that. But with that, I couldn't help but... It was kind of interesting how it worked out. We are in the book of Philippians, of course. And so if you've got your Bibles, we're going to go there first. Because we run into this guy by the name of Epaphroditus. And if you were with us last weekend, I told you this, this is just kind of a unique passage of Scripture. Paul is laid out here in Philippians 2, this how do you live as a citizen of heaven here? And, and he's been detailing. He's talking about living unity. And how do you do that? You do that through living humbly. He gives a great example of Christ. Then he talks about how we are to work out our salvation. And the salvation there is not justification because that comes through faith by grace alone. But the salvation he's talking about there is the sanctification. How do we live it out? How do we live here as a child of God in this world? And he gives a lot of wisdom. And right in the middle of all that, he goes, oh, by the way, I'm sending Timothy to you. And we talked about that last week. And then I'm also sending Epaphroditus. And why? Why in the middle of maybe one of the greatest chapters in the Bible, this, oh, by the way, here's these two guys, I'm sending them to you. In my heart, I think Paul's point was, these are two men that, that the church of Philippi knew, and he's giving them to them as living examples. In fact, Epaphroditus, uh, we don't know for sure. He's only mentioned here in the Bible and again in chapter 4, so just twice. But he sends, the sense is this guy's probably a pastor at their church. Uh, they've sent him with the gift to, to give to Paul, but they've also commissioned him to stay and to minister to Paul. To, to, you know, so they've given him money to live in order to, he can serve Paul and be there. So it's almost this idea that, that he is vocationally involved. And, and what a great reminder, because the truth is, every single one of us who knows Jesus is called to follow Jesus full time, right? We're in full time work following Jesus, whatever he calls us to do. Now, of all of us, then, God does set apart some for what we call vocational service. And that is you actually make your living by the gospel. And whether that's a missionary or pastor or whatever, and Epaphroditus seems to be that. But in this passage, there's five titles, five names that he gives them. So let's read it together. Chapter 2, starting with verse 25. He says, For I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need, because he was longing for you all and was distressed because he heard that you were sick. For indeed he was sick to the point of death. 
But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I've sent him all the more eagerly, so that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less concerned about you. Receive him then in the Lord with all joy, and hold men like him in high regard. Because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what is deficit in your service to me. Five words he gives him back in verse 25. The first word is this. He calls him a brother. A brother. What a great reminder. And here's the thing. All of these words can speak towards a pastor. And and so want to talk about those things today. But they also speak towards all of us because all of us are followers of Christ. And remember, when we accept Jesus, we are placed in the body of Christ, right? We become brothers and sisters in the Lord. And and this term for Paul to be able to use it, notice it's not just brother, but it is my brother. It's a very personal, uh, it's this idea that here's somebody who cares about me. And I got thinking, you know, what makes it so special about a brother? Well, a brother is somebody who's, you know, he's going to walk through all the stuff with you, right? Best way I could put it is it's a brother who will help you move, right? And I say that lovingly because I've helped my brother move like all across this country like 18 times in his, his life. But that's what a brother, you know, your family, whether you want to or not, you got to show up, right? You got to be there to help load the truck. That's what a brother is. And that's the kind of sense. Here's the other thing. A pastor is a brother, just like you and I. It's nothing special. Somehow they're not elevated in the eyes of God. They're just one of us who God has just uniquely chosen to serve in this vocational way. Just a brother. Just a brother. We love him that way. Secondly, he talks about he's a fellow worker. A fellow worker. You know, one of the things you you get about Paul is that Paul... Paul, I think, was somebody always on the go, always working. And when he, when he looks at Epaphroditus, he sees somebody who's come to serve. Now, even think about the situation which Paul's in. He's under house arrest, but he's responsible. You know, he, they're not feeding them, so food's got to be prepared. Groceries have got to be bought. He can't leave the house. You, you can kind of get the sense earlier in the letter that he's working with the believers there in Rome. Well, who's going to get them when Paul wants to talk to them? It's probably people like Epaphroditus who's doing that kind of thing. And they're getting the cooking done. And they're, they're getting all these. They're taking care of these things. He's a hard worker. And folks, can I just remind you that if you know Jesus, you're not only a brother or a sister, but you, you're, you're to be a worker. You're saved to serve. That's why every single believer in Jesus is given a gift. Why? Because we, we're there to do something in the body of Christ. Now here's the thing. Not trying to be unkind, but let's call a spade a spade this morning. We have some lazy Christians, right? I mean, you've heard the adage, what? 20% of the people in a church do 80% of the work? Pretty true. 
fact, a lot of places, more like 10% do 90. Why? Lazy. So can I give you another little dirty secret? There's pastors who can be lazy. I know. I've been there. I've seen that. You know, you can, you know, just kind of work to keep everybody happy, do, do the minimum. Not Epaphroditus. Man, he was a hard worker. I'm glad to report these two young men that we're going to be ordaining today are hard workers. Because I think that's what God calls all of us to do. To do whatever it takes to get the ministry out there. Epaphroditus was a, was a hard worker. The third thing that he says to him is he calls him his fellow soldier. His fellow soldier. Now to me... This gets into, here, here's a guy who's willing to go through the tough stuff. And folk, the reality is in ministry, there's tough stuff. You see, we have an enemy. You know, we're, we're in the midst of a war and the enemy is trying to blow everything up. The enemy is trying to create havoc within his church. The enemy's trying to cause di dysfunction. And the enemy's really good at strapping I IEDs and putting them in really unique places, often on the backside of broken brothers and sisters in Christ. And as you try to love and you try to minister, man, it just blows up. And unfortunately, your good sometimes is evil spoken of. In fact, I, yesterday I spent, I don't know, 45 minutes on the phone with one of our young pastors down in the church. And if I had the time to tell you about the situation, you would just be sitting here scratching your head saying, how in the world is that creating a problem? Because it's just so, but it does. And people only see it from their side. And remember we talk, how do you get unity by humility? But if people aren't humble and it's all about me and, and you're against me and, and all of this type of thing and I'm the victim and, and ministry is hard. It's messy. You know the old adage to live above with the saints I love. Oh, that will be glory. But to live below with the saints I know, man, that's a different story. <laughs> I quoted that to him yesterday. It's hard. Why? Because we're in a battle. There's an enemy out there, and he knows that Jesus says, by this, all men will know you, my disciples, by the way that you love one another. So if he can get us to not love each other, if he can get us to fight, if he can create schisms and divisions, then he wins. Paul says, Paphroditus is my fellow soldier. Kind of reminded me of what he told Timothy there in 2 Timothy 2, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. For no soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life. Oh, by the way, live as a citizen of heaven, right? So that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. We're all called to be soldiers. We're all called to walk through the tough stuff, not to give up. Not to give up on each other, but willing to face it and walk through it. The fourth name that he gives him is, is really interesting. It's messenger, who is also your messenger. The, the Greek word here is um, 
apostulos, which is where, where we get apostle from. And what it means is a sent one. In fact, Strong's definition puts it like this. He's an ambassador of the gospel, officially commissioned by, by Jesus. And Epaphroditus, though not an apostle in the sense that Paul and Peter were his apostle, but he's an apostle, he's a messenger because he is sent by this church. He was sent by them to minister. And all of us who know Jesus are sent ones, right? Are we not sent? Are we not sent to the world to share the gospel? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations? Yeah, I mean, we, our, our goal is to see 1,250 people come to faith in Christ. We are the sent ones. And we are to take the gospel message. Well, Epaphroditus came as the sent one from the church of Philippi. What we're doing here today, laying hands on these two young men is we are sending them out. I mean, the beauty, I think what we would all love, I know what I would love is, you know, God would leave them here. Let them be a part of our church and our ministry, and that would be ideal. But the reality is, is that's probably not going to happen. Why? Because God, God uses these things as places of preparation for where he's going to send them. And as they go out, we are sending them as whatever God directs their path. In fact, this coming spring, we're actually going to do this again with Wade, who's down in Nicaragua. We are going to be sending him. We'll be ordaining him. That's the idea of a messenger, one who is a sent one. The last word that he uses then is minister. And a minister to my need. What's interesting that word is only used five times in the New Testament. And two of the times, in Romans and in Hebrews, it's used in reference to a priest. A priest who ministers to people. A priest who ministers before God. And, and what a priest would do, of course, is offer the sacrifice for them. He was one who helped connect people to God. It's used also in Romans 15 of a public service, somebody who has the public trust, who uh, serves the people through, through government. And the idea is, is that we have this sacred privilege, all of us do, to help connect people to God, to, to minister to them that way. It's, it's a priestly role. Now, now, obviously, you and I hold to the priesthood of every believer, right? It's one of our, our heritage points that all of us can go to God. We don't have to go through a priest or anybody else. But we, you and I, are the connectors. And even more so, those who are called to be ministers. We take the gospel. We help connect people to God that they too can have a relationship with him. That they can know him. That's what Epaphroditus was. He was there. You think about Paul. You ever think about this? You know, we, we see Paul as this hardened warrior in battle. But don't you think he ever got discouraged? Don't you think Paul maybe sometimes thought, God, why? Here he is. He, he, he's in Rome. He can't preach because he's sitting here in, in, under house arrest. And, uh, but there's Epaphroditus. Hands and feet of Jesus to him ministering to his needs, running his errands, doing his stuff. 
reminding him that God knows exactly where he is. He's the hands and feet of Jesus. He's a minister. It's what we're all called to be. And so when we think about Epaphroditus, we bring it down now to, to these two young men. Let me talk about a little bit about this whole idea of ordination. It might be a new term to you. Uh, if, I could bear, if I could narrow it down, I think there's three reasons or three purposes for, for ordination. Number one, it's a public commissioning. It's a way for a church to say, hey, we've seen these men. We, we've seen their character. You know, there's really three things that are tested. There's their call, their, their giftedness. You, it's not just anybody wants to be. You have to have the gifting to teach and to preach. You've got to have that. You've also got to have the character. When you think about 1 Timothy and Titus and, and that of, a, of an elder, and obviously, Somebody who, who is not only set up to be an elder, but one who will lead and preach and teach and carry the heavier weight. Man, that character piece is there. And then it's the theological truth, and we'll talk about that in a moment. And so what we are doing is we are commissioning them. It, it's really, I think, what we see in 1 Timothy where Paul says, Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. The presbytery is the, the church leadership, the elders who gathered. He says it again in 2 Timothy, for this reason I remind you, kindle again the fresh, the gift of God which was in you through the laying on of, of my hands. That's what we're going to do. It's this endorsement. This public endorsement. We've seen their giftedness. We've seen their calling. We've seen their character, and we are sending them out. We are giving. Do any of you old enough to remember uh, the good housekeeping seal of approval? Any of you remember that, right? They got the good housekeeping seal of approval. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're young. Um, well, in essence, that's what that was, what, what this is. And in fact, I remember in my own life, so 35 years ago, uh, the church that I grew up in, and I got to serve in my first ministry, seven years a youth pastor, they ordained me. They had seen my giftedness. They had seen the calling. They had seen the character. Obviously not perfect, but, but following after the Lord, and they, they chose to ordain me. So 25 years ago, I end up at Desert Springs. Not many of those folks around. I've outlived a lot of them, right? And uh, there weren't a whole lot of us at that time. But they didn't know me from Adam. But what I had was I, I had had this church who had seen me, who had had the quality of time with me, who said, we believe that God has called him. And, and that's that thing that speaks to those that they are going to minister to in the future of God's gifting and calling and quality of their life. The third piece really is for these guys. You know, this, these first two are more about us, but the third one is really more for them. It, it's really a public show of encouragement. Guys, we believe in you. You know, in ministry, sometimes you're left scratching your heads. You, you know, on those tough days, you kind of really question, am I really cut out for this? Is this really what God wants me to do? Because there are some discouraging days in ministry. Sometimes when you're giving it your whole heart and it's just there seems to be no fruit, no evidence. And, and part of what we're doing today is, guys, we see it in you. 
We stand with you. We support you. We want you to know we believe that God has called you to ministry. So I'm going to invite the, the two guys and their wives to come on up here. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the process. In case you have not met them as they come up, we've got uh, Jamie and Lydia, and uh, we got Robbie and Kelly Lashua. And uh, so let's, yeah, you move that out of the way. I don't usually touch it because the guy with worship gets upset whenever I move a mic, but uh, I guess I'll leave that. So uh, Jamie, of course, grew up in the church. If you don't know, he's my son, so this is kind of a, a fun piece for me. Uh, but you've been here on staff, what, close to 10 years now. Uh, went through, uh, graduated from uh, Master's College and then got your Master's through Phoenix Seminary. And then Robbie, with Kelly, and Robbie, you've been with us nearly eight years now. Started out with our youth pastor and uh, now uh, works adult ministries and then also is our resident apologist, pastor of apologetics. How's that? And uh, also you graduated from ACU, Arizona Christian University, uh, got your master's, one master's through Phoenix Seminary, correct? And the other one is through... Biola, great, and, and apologetics. And so as an elder team, about two years ago, as we were looking and, and thinking about everything, our, our sense was, man, these two guys, we've seen their character. Uh, you know, they're not perfect. None of us are, but, but that character following after Jesus, of walking holy before him, we saw their giftedness. We saw their calling, the passion in their heart, their zeal for the word of God. And so really the last piece of this then has been them preparing their theological statements. We, we took nine uh, main doctrines, had them present their papers, and then to defend that, that they, A, they believe truth, and secondly, that they can defend what they believe. And so that's what we did here on Thursday night. And uh, the ordination council that met together uh, recommended to our elders 100% unanimously and with excitement that we ordain these two men. So this certificate is there for you. Jamie, it's here for you. And we give these to you today, but we do so with this challenge. It's the words of Paul to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And these are the words that we would want to challenge you with. Paul says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who's, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearance in his kingdom, i.e., we're going to stand before him, right? Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. And they will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside the myths. But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And that would be our challenge to you as you step out of here with this ordination. Now, a couple promises, though, that I'm going to ask you for. Uh, when, when I stood 
that day and was ordained, I was asked these, to make these same promises. I live under them today and I will till the day I die. So the promises I would ask you to make. Number one is that if you ever would quit believing what you told us you believe on the cardinal doctrines that you would return your ordination. The cardinal doctrines are this, that we believe that the Bible is God's inspired word from cover to cover. Number two, that Jesus is God's holy son. He is full deity, full humanity. Number three, that his death on the cross is sufficient for all sin. It is the only atonement for, for man's sin, and it is received by faith through grace alone. Number four, that Jesus rose bodily from the dead. And number five, that he's going to return. So I need your promise and a response of yes, that if you would ever turn away from believing one of those five things, that you'll return your ordination to us. Okay. The second is this. We live, we live in a battle zone. Sadly, over my life, I've seen men ordained to ministry who kind of became like Demas that we read, that having loved the present world, he left. Turned away from Jesus. That if you ever, now we're not talking perfection here, because none of us are there, but if you ever in your heart have decided, you know what, I'm not going to follow Jesus. I'm going to live the way that I want to live, do what I want to do, and I'm not going to follow him or his word that again, you would return your ordination. Do you promise me that today? Okay, great. Then we've got two last things that we've got to do. Let me take these back because I don't want these to get broken. I'm going to ask Jamie and Lyd, do you mind coming sitting here? And, and uh, Robbie and Kelly, if you'll come down here, we're going to pray over them. Then here's the second thing that we've got to do. One of the most beautiful and enduring pieces of my ordination... Uh, and I, could you guys move those chairs out just a little bit so people can get behind you a little bit? Yeah, just push them out a little bit. That's great. Was uh, they at the end of the service took up a love offering uh, to give to me for the purpose of getting some tools. I was able to go and to buy, in fact, if you were to walk into my library today, probably 60% of the books that I have are the books that I was able to buy with that love gift that I still use today when I prepare for what I'm doing here. Now today, it's often not books you buy, it's, it's uh, programs, logos, you know, you upgrade that, or tools for worship ministry, apologetics ministry, there's a lot there. But today, when we're done praying over them, we're going to have a retiring offering. It's just as a love gift. You want to give, great. You don't, that'll be fine. Whatever comes in, we're just going to divide between the two. But it is not to take their wife out to dinner. It is for them to, to be able to buy tools that will help them in ministry. Uh, the men will be at the back doors. You can give. You can also give on the app. That's what Tammy and I did yesterday. We just went on the Desert Springs app, just where it says to what thing. Don't do general fund. It just says ordination. Just move it there. And that will go to these young men to buy tools for ministry so that wherever God sends them, whatever God does with them, these are tools that they are going to have that we help with on this day. 
We have our, many of our elders that are here. I'm going to invite our elders to come uh, to, uh, to be able to begin to pray. And Denny, I don't know if you mind grabbing that mic there. That would be awesome. And uh, see, we got Gary. David's coming this way. David, do you mind grabbing this mic over here? Great. Now I'm going to invite all of you to stand. By the way, uh, don't rush out when we're done because we got cookies, by the way. So we're going to celebrate this thing. But I want to invite you as the church, any of you that would like, and I'd love all of you that could, to come forward and help us as we lay hands on them and pray for them. So I'm just going to invite you to come now. If you can't get close to them because there's too many people, you just put your hands on somebody who's got their hands on somebody who's got their hands on them, right? You don't need to leave a space in the front. It's, it's okay. This is uh, not going to have a fire right now, okay? I promise you. Just come on, gather. We, we want to invite you to come. Fill in. You need to come this way. If you can kind of move this side and inside here. I wish we had more space. The chairs get in the way. But we do want to pray over these young people. And, uh, and David, I'm going to ask you to begin uh, and praying uh, over Robbie. And then uh, Denny, if you'll do that over Jamie. And the rest of you, if you will join us as we commit these young couples to the Lord's ministry. Father, we thank you and we love you. Father, we honor and glorify your name. Lord, we do also acknowledge that uh, you call us to duty as fellow soldiers, Father, to uh, fight the spiritual darkness in this world. And then there's those that you call, Father, above and beyond that. We know that you've called Robbie, and uh, we know that the, the calling on his life is uh, serious and grave, Father, and that uh, uh, his commitment to that is real. Lord, I pray that as he and Kelly uh, move forward in uh, this calling, Lord, that you will grant him wisdom, you'll grant him courage, uh, you will help him see a clear vision, Father, uh, of what he is to do, not only now, but in the future, uh, and whether he's to serve here or uh, beyond this place, Father, we know that uh, you will guide his every step. Lord, I pray that you help him to continue to increase in knowledge and uh, in the word, uh, help him, Father, to increase in, uh, uh, in his works, in his goodness. Uh, help him to understand uh, the love that one must have, Father, uh, especially in this position towards everyone, towards others. And Lord, just fill him, Father, with uh, the love of Jesus and, again, his, his guidance and wisdom in everything that he does. And uh, as for Kelly, as she seeks to support him and uh, as they raise a family, Father, in this they continue to uh, share this knowledge and wisdom with their children that they might grow up, Father, in you. We thank you, Lord, and uh, that we as a church body can uh, send these young men out to represent you. In Jesus' name. Father, we're grateful that this morning in this fellowship of believers in this church that uh, doesn't just trust your word, but obeys your word, that we've taken a look at uh, these couples, and I pray for Jamie and Lydia here this morning as they commit, and as they've been committed to you for this decade and more, Lord, that you would honor that commitment, that you would strengthen their resolve, that you would give them the best use of their talent and skills and abilities and intent, 
and that you'd make that perfect for your glory, Father. Lord, we pray that uh, as they commit, that we would commit in support and in consideration of what they do, that we would work uh, together in glorifying you and that your name would be praised uh, in this church, uh, certainly for as long as Jamie and Lydia stay. But wherever they go, Lord, that you would be with them, that you would go before them, that they would follow you. We pray over their family too, Lord, that as they continue to make this commitment, that you would protect and defend them, that you would uh, give them insights, and that as they receive that, that they would share those with us as we follow their leadership. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.